Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the gang, you know, the one you never asked to be a part of. You are listening to the Grief Gang podcast with me, your host, Amber Jeffrey. This podcast has been created to tackle the tough but important conversations around grief with authenticity, realness, and having a laugh whilst we're at it. Look, we're all going to experience grief at some point in our life, in some way or another. So it's good to talk about it so that it's not much of a nightmare when it comes knocking at our doors. Grief can be incredibly lonely and isolating, but you don't have to feel lonely alone. On this podcast, you will hear various different stories and experiences, ones that will uplift you, inspire you, break your heart, mend your heart, and get you asking yourself some big questions. Some of these stories on my own, some are from the wonderful growing Grief Gang community and some are from the incredible guest interviews. You will most likely cry. <laughs> I hope somewhere along the line you can get a giggle in. But I promise you, you will learn something. I haven't got a clue what you'll take away, but I know you will take away something. So this might be weird to say given the context, but happy listening. Welcome to this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. I am so, so looking forward to sharing this next this next episode with you as it is with somebody who I knew when I met him, we'd form a really lovely friendship and just I knew when I would have him on the show, it would create for a really thought-provoking conversation because I feel like the way this guest views and thinks about their grief um feel very similar to mine but 
is really refreshing. Anyway, I'm going into it. Like, why am I talking about the episode? And you're going to listen to it and find out for yourself. This week, Grief Gang, I am talking with David Ferrugio. And David Ferrugio is the podcaster behind the fantastic podcast, Dead Talks. And you may be familiar with this podcast if you are an avid grief podcast listener and you listen to a few of us here in the space. If you don't, I highly implore you to check it out. David is here today and part of the grief gang because he is talking today about his dad, David Ferrugio Sr., who sadly died in the tragic event of 9-11. In this episode, David takes us back to what it was like for him as a 12-year-old to witness that horrific day that so many people have their own versions and stories of that day what it was like and still like to grieve for somebody that you love that died on such a public scale amongst so many other people as well, and how that can be both a comfort and come with its complexities too. David also in this episode talks about what it was like and has been still to this day to grow up without a father and stepping into manhood and those conversations that we miss as children, miss out on as children who are bereaved. And what we think maybe our parents might say in certain situations. This episode, it's lighthearted. It's funny. Like David is funny. David is so funny. And it's like a bit rabbit hole like as well. Um, Lots of theories and just really shooting the shit. I cannot lie. We're just shooting the shit in this episode. And David just, for me, brings this real like calm energy and just like no judgment, just anything unpacked unpack the grief together and that's what we really did in this episode so I really hope you enjoy it and I feel like I really hope it feels like this is what it felt like for me that you're just sitting and listening to like two friends who have like maybe had like a drink or something and who are just you know just unpacking this nightmare and this hellhole and this life-changing thing that is grief obviously so I'm waffling now and I'm gonna let you get into the episode and I will see you on the other side it is so so wonderful to have you on the grief gang podcast it feels like forever since I've seen you but like obviously not even like a hot minute I feel like I'm always bothering you on Instagram or is like lol to your stories but thank you so much for being here today how are you I'm doing good, and I appreciate you having me. I've been looking forward to this for a while, and it does feel like a minute, but at the same time, I feel like I just saw you yesterday. Totally. And those for those who are wondering how both David and I met, David so kindly last year, nearly about, it was like late summer last year, invited me onto his wonderful podcast, Dead Talks, and we had just such a laugh. And I remember coming away from that recording, feeling so refreshed and just had a really good belly laugh. And it was so nice seeing the work that now we both do and the conversations that we have to actually have a proper laugh throughout that. And I think so many people, as you probably know, David, think, oh, you do a podcast on grief and death. Mm, that can't have no fucking laughs in it. And then they actually listen and they're like, that's some funny shit. And you're like, I weren't lying. Like I wasn't <laughs> lying. And so it was so good to be on your podcast and to, um, and to be part of yeah, your community on that day. But obviously, David, there is a reason as to why you were here to stay on the Grief Gang podcast, because you are a member of the Grief Gang. Um, so could you please tell the lovely listeners a bit about yourself, um, who you are, what you do, and who it is that we're here to remember today? 
Of course. Yeah. And uh, thank you again for having me on here. So as you introduced myself, I'm happy you didn't say my last name because I feel like you might have butchered it. But my name is Ruggio. Uh, as you mentioned again, I have a podcast, you know, with a, I like to say a similar mission as to what you're doing on yours called Dead Talks, where we share each other's grief stories and just chop it up, hopefully in a way that maybe give you a laugh here and there. Um, but I'm remembering and also my podcast is dedicated to my own experience losing my father. My dad is also a David Ferrugio, and he died on September 11th in the World Trade Center. So that was, you know, feel free to interrupt me if I start yapping too much. I just chugged a big, tall glass of coffee. <laughs> he, yeah, that was a long time ago, 2001. So it was over 20 years ago. I was only 12 years old at the time. And I'm sure we'll get into it. But, you know, I remember that day, and I'm sure you'll have questions, but mm-hmm. there's so much from then to now that I don't remember, especially in that childhood portion of my life. I I can't give you exact ages, but there's so much that like blacked out. And I've said this a million times that it feels like a defense mechanism, which seems the most common answer. You know, my, my body was probably just blocked out a bunch of that trauma. And Mm -hmm. in your blog post, I believe it was like, okay, we're going to save you right now. But once you become a man, we're going to fuck you up later to figure it out. So a lot of it kind of, you know, I feel like bubbled up later in my life. And now as a man today, you know, there's a lot more contemplation, um, you know, having lost someone at, at such a young age. And I know, mm. you know, other people have dealt with that and I'm not minimizing anyone losing a parent or losing someone later in their life. But for me personally, you know, it was definitely a different experience than say my sisters who were 17, 18 about at the time, you know, they can compute it a little differently. Mm-hmm. So, you know, losing my dad on a public scale was just a, a unique experience in itself because everyone knows 9-11 people yeah. are in my face good way I guess you know kind of almost mourning with me in many ways they're not they're not you know fully experientially like we were and the thousands mm-hmm. of others that experienced it but um yeah so my I'm a 9-11 boy as you say so I don't know if you have any specific questions there but <laughs> I, <laughs> I knew I just knew you were gonna do something I'm a 9-11 boy <laughs> I know. We have to sing a chorus for that one. Have so, yeah, let me preface it for those of you that are listening. You yeah. know, my dad died 9-11, and I, uh, I I love my dad. I had a great father and still look at him that way, so don't mind the, uh, the little jokes. The like dark no, humor, the absolutely. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's why I just gravitate so much towards you, David. But even just there, you've, you've hit so many topics that I really want to talk with you today. Um, just even you talking about how throughout the last how many years you've kind of just tucked it away and now you said as becoming into man and stepping into your manhood it's your griefs now come to say hello we need to fucking talk and you're like mm. oh like all right like I've got so many questions here about like yeah coming in man and, and growing up without dad and what that looks like but and really intriguing and interested in of how yeah a public I feel like yeah, for 9-11, it's, it is possibly one of the most, like, biggest displays of, like, public grief, um, not only as a nation, but as a worldwide of feeling that grief for the United States and the people of, of, of New York City. And um, although that was so felt globally of people who've actually been personally impacted as that. So I want to get into that, but we'll get into that a bit later on because I just, I, yeah, I'm so, so intrigued. But, mm-hmm. I mean... It feels like I don't even to go back to that day, David. I don't know because of how you feel of 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 reliving that day and and of how of what 
you know, the course of that day played out for you. But I suppose in however many words or however you're comfortable with of, can you take us back to that day and talk about how your day sort of played out? Yeah, of course. And feel free to ask anything you want. So, I mean, we have podcasts talking about this shit. So if I can't talk about it, I should, I should hang it up. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much detail you want, but I, I could break, you want me to literally, I can go down like to some minuscule detail. Yeah, if you want. <laughs> and I think that's really important of how this very important day and life changer day of your life. Yeah, I, I like talking about it because as I preface, you know, there's so much I don't remember, but that is also a fair amount that I do remember that day. So mm. I was in seventh grade and my buddy Jeff, uh, as he always did, was always late to school and he came into first period, which I think was a little after nine o'clock. So at that point, the first plane hit the tower, the first mm-hmm. tower, which my father was in on the 105th floor. And he walked in and was like, hey, do, hey, man, doesn't your dad work at the World Trade Center? I'm like, yeah, why? He's like, well, a plane flew into the building and i'm like mm-hmm. uh what that like uh, what that makes no sense so yeah. what does that even mean even though he was very specific about it and um yeah so he was since he was late he got to see the footage i guess on the news and at that point i think i remember trying to go to the office and make a phone call back home and they wouldn't let me <clears throat> excuse me again but which i thought was strange at the point like obviously that kind of gave me red flags that something was going down and you know fast forwarding it makes sense that they didn't know the school didn't know what was going on. And my town was mm-hmm. a big commuter town to New York. So a lot of people lived in New or went to work in New York. So they were just uh, no calls right now. There's too much yeah. going on. And so I had to go the whole day wondering what happened. My mom made the choice to leave me in school. And once again, wh- what is she supposed to do? Take me into the chaos of whatever's going on at home, wondering mm-hmm. if my dad's okay. And then seeing all that. So she decided to let me go in school, stay in school. So the whole day I was just trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Kids were getting called out of school throughout the day. I had no idea what the, if my dad was okay, let alone what the hell just happened. It made no sense that a plane flew into the building. Even just saying Mm -hmm. that out loud inherently sounds crazy. And I remember walking home that day and my best friend, James, uh, was a menace to say the less. And just to preface why he was walking home with me, he got suspended (laughs) from the school bus before the school year started, which is insane. <laughs> first of all, he was such a troublemaker that he got in trouble at the end of sixth grade that he couldn't be on the he bus into seventh grade, <laughs> which is hilarious. And oh, um, so, him. yeah, it's amazing. And so he, my, my family, their family is very close. So he was walking home to school with me for the first couple of weeks. And so he was with me, which is, which is amazing and a blessing because I wouldn't want anyone else by my side at that moment mm-hmm. besides James. Like he was, it was like, it was like almost, he was an asshole at school on purpose to be for, be with me that day. Yeah. And I remember I have to ask him what we were talking about. I don't remember what we were discussing. I'm sure just trying to figure out what the hell is happening. And then as I start walking home, there's a little bend going left and I can see in the distance, the cul-de-sac where my house was. And I see a bunch of cars outside. And that's when I, that's when it first hit me. I was like, shit, like something, something's terribly wrong. There's no reason mm-hmm. why there'd be a million cars outside my house at three o'clock in the afternoon. And we get to the house. And I think as soon as we got in there, I, I think it was my mom who got us at the door and separated me and James. And all I remember is my mom and my family trying to keep me away from the TV as I approached the living room. And I see all my cousins there. And I forcefully said, no, I, I want to see the TV. And I remember... Yeah looking at the TV and that's when I saw the footage for the first time. I remember just breaking down, crying, seeing the real realism of what the hell just took place. But 
the weird part looking back at it at the time, I didn't really compute it was everything happened already. This was hours later. So the planes hit my dad's building. The second plane hit the second tower went down the first tower with my dad and it went down and it was just rubble dust and the aftermath. And then I saw the replays of it. So Mm -hmm. what really trips me out looking back amongst many things was as I waited throughout the day to figure out what happened, this was all happening. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I didn't know what was happening. I got a whisper in my ear in first period about a plane. And then it just freaks me out. I don't even know where I'm going with this, but it just freaks me out thinking while I was in school, the towers are going down and my dad was dying, not Mm -hmm. knowing. And then I come back to see the replay of it. You know, there's, there's, there's plenty of other people throughout history in the world that have, you know, public events that have happened, which isn't the only one that is caught on camera. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's really just bizarre to be able to, like, whenever I want, I can Google 9-11 shit yeah. right now and, and mm-hmm. rewatch it. And yeah. that's always been a part of me, too, because for whatever reason, I like rewatch. I don't like it, but I maybe it's just because I want to bring up emotions and cry and just feel mm-hmm. something that I, especially on the 9-11, uh, the, when the memorial comes around, yeah. the anniversary, I, I constantly watch that shit. But again, back to that day, after that, that's when I feel like I don't remember how the day went. After I broke down and cried, it was like that was the eject button where yeah. I was like, okay, that's enough. That maybe it's because that was the first time I saw it and it was so traumatic. That's mm-hmm. when my body and my brain just recognized, okay, let's shut it off right now. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I know <clears throat> the next few days and whatnot, we weren't sure. We were hoping that he was going to come back because, you know, there's obviously no, I don't even think cell phones were a thing at that point. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's no point of communication. So I think we were hopeful or, hoping that he would come back but at the same time he was on the 105th floor so mm. whether i recognize it as a kid i'm sure my family did that you know there's a slim chance that he was coming back because he was above where mm-hmm. the plane hit so unless there was some miracle that he went out for coffee or some shit like i think my mom knew yeah um but that week you know we had we had i have, I have a tremendous amount of support that's the thing i always want to emphasize is that besides the support that i had for my mother who was just you know she's i can't say enough about how amazing she is and how strong she is and what she had to endure to raise three children and you know having my beautiful sisters by my side to this day like we've got we took the our response was we got closer and we were always close but it was a beautiful thing how more embedded we got with each other because i've Mm -hmm. heard so many stories where it can go the opposite direction and i think that's pretty common yeah um but yeah my mom took the bull by the horns as they say and we i think we were in school i have to don't quote me on the dates but i feel like we were in school the next week or maybe a week after so it wasn't too long after she put us back into life mm-hmm. with the fact that you know she as she said she didn't want this to fuck us up and i think she knew yeah. it was gonna you know it was gonna in many ways but she, she knew wanted to it was gonna yeah yeah i mean what else, i mean what the hell do you do so that that's all i remember from the first day and then mm-hmm. after that there's so many little moments that i remember here and there about you know, how I responded and what we did. Mm. Could you acknowledge at the age of 12 that and, and you were putting the pieces of the puzzle together of, okay, dad's on the 105th floor. Was there, was there hope? Was it kind of everyone kind of knew, but nobody wanted to say? That's a question I would have to talk to my mom and my mm. sisters and family members about. My gut instinct is, yeah, I think, you know, you want to yeah. have hope. But I, I'm, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes that if I had the brain I have today and I had experienced that as a 33-year-old man or, or mm. old enough to really figure things out. Now, yeah. that, that 12 is old enough to understand what's going on. You're not, you know, you're smart. You're pretty smart at 12 years old. 
I don't know if I was smart, but you know what I mean? And <laughs> it's just, uh, I, I want to say this logically, there was, it was probably, uh, you know, a higher, higher thought process that he wasn't coming back, yeah. you know, knowing he was on the 105th floor, you know? Yeah. And you only see so much on TV, so you don't really know how many people are getting um, evacuated mm-hmm. successfully. Um, you know, a lot of that information That's the part, came to too, that even, um, you know, as many people that we've probably spoken to on our podcast and just met and in knowing grief of you, um, some people, and I feel like I definitely did kind of go through bits of stages of denial, and especially mm-hmm. people who haven't... Um, like seeing their person's body after they've died or like being present when they died, it can be very easy to put like play that story of, Oh, they, they made it or they've just like ran away somewhere and just built a new life. But when you have, have lived and were living through such a public display of grief and this public display of what has happened, even if 12 year old, you wanted to go, I don't know, like maybe somehow he made it out and just started a new life and just, I don't know, didn't know how to come back. Fuck knows. You know, if even if your mind wanted to play pretend, you didn't have that luxury because you were being thrown statistics and how many people and the survival rate. So you were almost then even stripped of even trying to almost like self-soothe yourself of like oh no and give yourself a bit of like you were stripped of hope you were stripped of having Mm. and holding on to like a a slither of hope um because of just how factual it was and that the facts are being thrown at you and your family um yeah i never really contemplated like that it's interesting it's interesting thought maybe that's something that I wasn't even aware of thinking, but now you got me thinking. <laughs> I know. It's, that's, I, yeah, I think that's an interesting thought. Yeah. And I'm just thinking just like if I don't know, like you, you, you know, you're stripped of, um, I think whatever age you lose a parent in whatever, another concepts of you're stripped away of an innocence regardless. Like you grow up quick time, but to, in the way that you, you lost your father of, um, there's an even more stripped of that. And then mm. to, it's, and then, yeah, kind of, I guess, going into how the public display of mourning and as a, as I said, of kind of how it was something that rocked the nation and, and the United States and the world and the world across and to see all these, you know, displays of, of pain, of pure pain and to know that, like, you know, people watching from the outside can feel that pain of how horrific this was and is. But then to actually like from the outside and then looking in and actually looking at the people that are within and going, but people have actually had people tied to this and people have died in this and kind of. I remember when being from the UK, like I was like three years old when 9-11 happened and I remember my mum always telling me, you know, people never forget like where they were and, and what happened and what they were doing. And then I remember years and years and years later, I, I came to New York. I love New York and, and frequent it. And actually coming, actually coming back um, this September, actually. I've got to text oh, you nice. that actually and say, uh, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, here we are. I've just realised. Give the text. I'll, give the yeah, text. I'll give you a text and we'll, I'll hit, I'm coming over, to, I think early September, actually. And yeah. um me and my partner, we went down to downtown and went to the memorial site. And there's only, you see all the names engraved, but you, I don't think you can ever actually get the gravitas and the weight of the devastation. And 
it was only when we actually on our second trip came and we went to the museum and and went in and when you put up not long ago the picture that somebody sent you of the image of your dad when you go through the room and and the memorial it stopped me in my tracks and I when I saw that picture you put on yours I thought oh my god imagine if I when I was in there and I flipped through and I sat scrolled past your dad's photo I just thought Mm. that was a real moment but then and then you know getting to know you David and actually your story and being back in New York and going back to that memory and seeing all the people that were there tourists like me and my partner or or actually family members who've come you can re it's, it's something like no other like the grief that is just within that radius and then you right. step out a couple of streets away and you're like in the Westfield and you're like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> I know that, that is an interesting thought how it's just like it's like you're walking through a door like you all of a sudden but I feel like that's life in a weird way because you're, you're at the when you're at the memorial like you said there is like a mall and all that the commercial mm. stuff right there which is it's life but that is life it's like there's all this grief and mourning and realism but then you step outside through this door and then life continues on no yeah. matter what. And I think that I think that's what that kind of represents in a weird way. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And then you said, Dave, obviously, like, when the memorial comes around... um do you do you tend to come back? I know you're, I know you're LA based. Do you tend to come back to New York for that time? Uh, sometimes, uh, not not every year. I think I've I've come home, you know, for like a few. I used to come home more often for like the 20th anniversary because mm. that was that was like a big thing, and we yeah. had, we went there and whatnot. But I, you know, I haven't come home every year. Obviously, I talk to my family uh, constantly when that happens. But um, I don't know it's just different now. Like I, yeah. it's it's a weird thing because. You know, I, I always felt, I don't want to say guilt, but maybe I'll say guilt. So I'll just say guilt about my dad dying on a public light as mm. others have. And I get those text messages every year, remembering my father, because everyone knows 9-11. And that was a big premise as to why I started my podcast, because I wanted to shed light on other people's stories that died on you know, like a Tuesday and don't yeah. get those text messages. But at some point, I, I feel like I've realized I still get so many text messages, even, you know, 20 plus years later. Uh, but I feel like they've, I've gotten a little bit less, which part of me, I'm like, Oh, thank God. But also, you know, I'm grateful for those text messages. It's great. But you know, it's, um, 
to re- not, it's not that it's about reliving it. It's just, I, even it's just ironic because the hashtag is what never forget. But I'm at some point I'm like, you know, I'm not trying to forget either. But like, <laughs> like I, I, we gotta forget. When, <laughs> like a little bit, you know, it's like we can, I, I understand how it hits so many more people outside of the people that just lost and yeah, yeah. I'm going on a rant right now, but I, um, I have another guest coming up. That's a pretty prominent figure. And I, I read some of his articles that he wrote about nine 11 and I didn't mm-hmm. know how tied, how tied he was to nine 11. He didn't lose someone per se personally, but he lived a few blocks away. Mm-hmm. And I read his articles that were so detailed about him being, him seeing it happen four blocks away, seeing the results and, and the war zone that it was. And it just really made me contemplate that, you know, though I lost my father, uh, you know, it was my father and all the people that mm-hmm. lost someone close to them in their family. It affected, as we already touched on, it affected yeah. so many people and changed their lives. And mm-hmm. that also experienced trauma that maybe didn't lose someone. Obviously there's people that are in the towers that know someone that they lost a friend, yeah. but there's some people that just live close by that maybe were fortunate to not lose someone personally, mm-hmm. but had to go through that. They had to see yeah. it. They had to be there that day in the rubble and the disaster and the catastrophe mm-hmm. that affected the rest of their life. So it just yeah. is comfort in the witness. fact that, yeah, yeah, they bear witness. And there's comfort in the fact that, you know, this is a collective grief in many ways mm-hmm. and that everyone experienced it in their own personal way. Um, but I, I just, I, I don't, I don't really contemplate too much if that mm. affects me in a good or bad way. I don't, I don't know. I don't really, I haven't really thought Yeah, I was about just going to ask kind of like, how does it, yeah, does, is it a comforting thing to have, yeah, this, this shared grief and people bear witness to your grief and like you say, they will never forget the day and they'll know, oh, like text David and remember and kind of stuff like that of like, is it, yeah, a comforting thing to, I remember I spoke to somebody on the podcast, I think last season and her dad was, um a famous like news anchor here in in the UK like up north and when he died there was this huge public display of grief of like oh my god this guy was amazing they're sharing their stories like he was on their tv every night so like people had like this connection to him and she was like it was so strange but so comforting just to see these people like talking about my dad who like made them feel all types of ways but they'd never met and I've never met them and they've never known and so yeah, it must be, I can, I can imagine be quite comforting, but then does it ever feel like, but like, oh, I don't know how to word it. And it's how I tried to word it with her of, do you, has there ever been like, just like, I just want to grieve my dad. And I just, I don't want it to be like tied to this obviously horrific event. Like I just right. want to remember my dad. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's a little exhausting in a sense mm-hmm. that I just don't want the, I don't, I sometimes just don't want the attention, but I yeah. I know where it's coming from. You know what I mean? It's coming from a good place of respect and remembering and, and, um, just support like that. That doesn't, at the end of the day, I know where it's coming from. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's beautiful, but yeah. sometimes, you know, it's, it's just, it's a little exhausting. Um, at this point in my life, it's different. It's not like nine eleven comes up all the time, but, but it, it is cool to sometimes see the effect, especially people that knew my dad from a smaller a microscopic standpoint of the effect that he's had on people and how much people loved him. But then, you know, my sister, there's a clip that made it a documentary and it breaks my heart every time watching it. But there was a clip that that you see me, my sisters and my mom, it must have been shortly days after, I guess, like news coverage came to our town or something Mm -hmm. like that. And everyone was making signs of 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 who they they can't find. So nothing was certain at this point. Mm -hmm. And my sister got caught on camera, like hysterically crying, begging for life to like find my dad. And Mm -hmm. it was so emotional and how real it was to see her on camera. You see me in the background, like a little twerp with like my backward sideways hat. Aww. And, um, and you see my sister just pouring her life, her soul mm. out on the camera, just 
not even giving a fuck about that it was on TV. It was just like she just wanted her dad back and was begging for anyone. They holding the photo up, and um, and my point was that that apparently touched a lot of random people started reaching out. Apparently, like you see, we have like a memorial site where people just commented on my dad's memorial saying. I found I looked you guys up because I saw his daughter and it impacted her so much. And it was like those reach outs, you know, it, it's I think that's what it's all about. It's like as yeah. as terrible as it was. And I would trade all my lessons and everything to have my dad back. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like little moments like that. That won't happen if my dad didn't die in a public life. We wouldn't have strangers yeah. reaching out for reaching out to us, explaining the impact that my sister had mm-hmm. on this stranger from across the world. That was the one thing we go down a rabbit hole of, of uh, how, you know, I might talk about conspiracy shit about the, the benefits of what happened. Yeah. Uh, but like in regards to the benefits of this chaos and this public trauma is that there was, there was a camaraderie amongst yeah. Americans and even globally in many ways yeah. of coming together. And I think that's a good representation of how grief support totally. can be really impactful on people. Totally. Um, and it's what I don't want to refer too much to like to the museums. It, it feels weird to refer to a museum when I'm talking to you an actual lived experience, because I know for some people, like the museum, for some, it feels really like distasteful. Um, and I, but, and being in there, but just to touch on what we're talking about of the community part, I think one of the biggest parts that like moved me so much in there was the area when you get and you saw the camaraderie and the people and the community coming together of how, you know, across the pond, we do depict New Yorkers as a, Hey, I'm walking, you know, you know, quite a bit like the Londoner, a bit like the Londoner, you know, that's why I think we probably get quite along us, you know, Brits and and New York, because there's quite similarities, I think city to city and Mm -hmm. um, you know, and kind of, (laughs) <laughs> like in London, you don't look at each other when you're on the tube. Like no one says hello, good morning, stuff like that. But kind of to see New York kind of change and to come together and all the people that have been affected of didn't matter who you were, what your thoughts were, what your religion, what your politics, what it may be, it was we we're now all bounded together by this horrific thing that's happened. And we need to support one another um to get through this. Like we have no idea what the future looks like and how we're gonna do it, but we're gonna find a way together. Yeah, and I think that's I mean that's an epitome of getting through grief and mm. you know it makes it makes me think I mentioned it earlier how me and my family, I feel like we came together and got even closer. And then there's other scenarios I've people in my life and people I've spoke to that it drives family apart. And that's the complication mm-hmm. of grief because everyone handles it so differently, which is I think comforting for people that are grieving because it does, it kind of gives you an explanation as to how you feel. You know, you, I think when you're going through anything in life, let alone grief, your feelings are complicated and, and you may feel guilty for feeling a certain way, mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's the point. We all grieve differently and it's okay. But also the fact that we grieve differently can, I think, drive people apart. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it is important to try to, to, to come together with that understanding because whether it's um, you know, family troubles or how, whatever the communication level is of people around that have lost someone, it's, it's important to understand, okay, I feel this way and regardless how you feel, it's okay to feel what you feel. And then the person right across from me, whether my family or someone else grieving may feel differently. I think it's important to understand that we're going to feel differently. Mm-hmm. And with that under a foundational understanding that 
okay, I might not agree with how so-and-so is grieving with anger or distant or being distant or this or that Mm -hmm. and doesn't want people around them, but I want people around me and I'm going to be mad at that person because they want distance. But it's like, I think if we all realize that what I'm trying to say is we all grieve differently. Therefore, if with that understanding, you, I think it's uh it's kind of keep it separate to wanting to come together, you know, mm. if that makes any sense, you know? No, it does. It makes total sense. Yeah, absolutely. I want to ask Dave before we get onto kind of like um, manhood, just more of what was your dad like? What was oh, David senior um, like? <laughs> I think a lot like me in many ways. So what I'm understanding, it's, I, I hope so, at least. I mean, I'm very much like my mother. I think I got a, a perfect blend of both, which I'm grateful for. But my dad was just, you know, a lot of these are going to sound like cliches, but especially talking to, you know, my friend's fathers who are all close in Little League Baseball, this or that, he he can't, he, he had a strong energy. He had, he kind of came with a force. Like you knew he was there, not in a mm-hmm. boastful way. Just, I think, I think one thing I took from him, what I feel like he brought to the table was, I think he just wanted to make you feel good. Like if you're in his presence, I, regardless of the mood he was in, I always feel like he wanted to make you feel good, whether it was mm-hmm. a pat in the back or a strong hello or a hug or whatever it was. He always came into the room lighting it up with positivity in a sense that uh, whether it was laughing or his jokes or whatever it was, I feel like he took pride in whether it was just him being himself or intentional. He just made other people feel good. And he... Mm-hmm was present in my life you know he was there for my little league games he would coach he would take time to play baseball with me he would be there if he would take me to yankee games so he was a present father with me he um he was a tough guy for sure i think and uh and that's a lot of the things that i miss out on because i feel like as good as a father and a person i noticed he was at 12 there's so much more i could have learned about him becoming a man and even mm. learn more truths about him because you know I, I that is the hardest part is missing out on the conversations that I could have today as a man because I had yeah. such a good experience with my father as a kid, but you know the experience with the father as a as a child and a man are like two two different experiences. Like totally. I, I wish I miss I miss not becoming a not, I wish not having the opportunity to be a man with my father. Yeah, um, to be too. Know, oh, I feel that so much, David. I've just like the knowing each other not as uh or getting the opportunity to know each other not as just like parent and child of like mm-hmm. he is your carer he is your provider you like he is your hierarchy and you you're his child and actually being able to come as two grown men and to be able to have grown-up conversations and then not be any like consequence to what you're sharing of like oh god exactly. if i share with my dad like oh, i got fucked up on the weekend i don't know or something and then <laughs> that's exactly like, it yeah that's exactly it i think like it, my, my thought process is i want to know my dad's flaws like, exactly I want, I mean, that's, my, that's the conversation oh. i should have with like my my uncle and his best friends because that's something i actually haven't done i feel like i need to do because i my dad you know as a, when you're raising a child, I, I should. I sh- that's a good idea. Actually, that that would actually be great to talk to my or my even my. my I'm gonna my family on. That's a whole other conversation. Do it, but, David. I can but vouch. But, do it. Yeah, I if I need to get there to, to sign off on that, but I'm pretty sure they will. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is like that. I want those conversations of like, okay, Dad, where like where do, where maybe like you're a great in my eyes, you're like the perfect dad. But like now as a man, I'm like you. You've done some fucked up shit. I'm sure like you've <laughs> you've made mistakes. You probably have done things that you're not proud of. Like what, I want to know those things because yeah. I feel like I've done things I'm not proud of. I've done, I'm still doing things that I'm, 
Um, I know I could be a better, a better mm-hmm. person, whether it's discipline, this or that. I, I know I could always improve. Yeah. And I want, I, w- I wish I had the opportunity to have those discussions of failures and, and learn the not so bright side things about my dad. You know, like I'm not saying he was a criminal or anything terribly wrong. But <laughs> he wouldn't have his crimes. <laughs> yeah. It's just like the humane shit that like we just do as humans and we're the habitual stuff, whatever it is. I just yeah. you know, I, I want to know that stuff. And I, and now I guess I still have the opportunity to learn those things through anecdotes and stories from other people, mm-hmm. but you know, it sucks to miss out. It's just like the things that go on when you lose someone, yeah. you miss, it sucks not sharing new experiences and new memories. And it's like all, all you have are memories as opposed to creating new ones. And mm-hmm. it sucks. But and it is like, what it is. as you're saying there of like how, you know, that as we're growing up still and, and going through life and just how, you know, we're always looking to improve and just to, it's like, you know, as much as your dad was so present in your life and, and great and like was mine and kind of, you know, I feel like they've built and instilled a lot of life lessons and morals in us that will foresee us through the rest of our lives. And we can always kind of tap into that. But it's always mm. like, it's it's the self re- self-reliance that we've built in ourselves of losing a parent young and of like, it's, I wonder, and I, it's something I've wanted to explore and I've, I've wondered if I've never been able to kind of articulate and maybe now's the chance to speak with you here about David of kind of um, not having that, oh, how to say, of having that like um, safety net of, well, okay, if I fuck up, and I don't know, I've done something really bad as a human or just like, I'm really struggling to tap into my moral compass of like, am I making the right decision career wise, love life? I don't know. Like, are these my morals? Are these, is this what I think of not having that person to, you know, that, that unconditional love in a person. Um, and especially man to man, like, I feel like you're like man, father to son and like me, mother to daughter of, I miss that really like non-judgmental space and that person that no matter what unconditionally, no matter what you do, no matter what you fuck up, no matter what you explore kind of is always going to have your back and be able mm. to say, well, like, don't worry, babe. Like, cause when I was your age, like I did something like this or like, you know, to share that anecdotal together. Um, that's something I really feel a lot of kind of, there's no safe, there's no room to fuck up there's no room to fuck up or if there is like I really carry that way of oh well I fucked up and it's nobody else's problem because like I haven't got the reliance and it's, it's strange because I didn't really rely on my mum as as I was 19 and thought I was quite self-sufficient but mm-hmm. you really notice obviously that safety net and you can look amongst your peers I can imagine you David at 12 and going through your teen years and adolescence kind of looking around and I suppose my question more so in this kind of are there any really significant moments throughout your early teens and 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 late and late teens and into your twenties of when you really felt like the absence of your father and gone, yeah, fuck, I could have really done with him being here. Oh man, bit, I feel like I had a lot of those moments, and a lot of those moments came much later in life. Like mm-hmm. I said, even even just today, I think I feel like I noticed that more today because life is just so much different and I'm I have these real ass decisions to make that you know I I feel like I had like a cheat code because I had so much support in my mom my sisters and a lot of people around me and sometimes I feel like I feel I don't feel bad but I kind of feel bad because I know a lot of people don't have that support mm-hmm. and I feel like I, I still felt like I had a safety net which makes me feel like I should take much less credit for getting through a lot of the things um 
I can't think of like any particular, the only, the couple little moments, like I had a big decision to make, even though it wasn't a big decision, like go, going into high school, there was like two high schools I could have went to and we were getting some help in regards to going to this other high school that was quote unquote better. Mm-hmm. And all my friends were going to the other ones. And that was just a decision that was up to me at like 13 years old of what to do that I would have liked to ask my father. And like, I have, I, that's the thing. I had my mom, like my mom is unbelievably supportive. She's so wise and my sister's the same. And um, so I had people to bounce it off, but there's certain moments, like you said, like with you and your mom, mm-hmm. that as, as great as my mom is and, I still talk to her about life shit all the time. You know, it's just, just like my sister will talk to my sisters because it's a female perspective. They yeah. have their relationship. They, they might not come to me. I wish I had that with my dad. And that's what makes it the hardest. And I think that's what you alluded to with your mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I can't think of like a specific moment besides yeah. that like middle school one in eighth grade, just besides maybe moving to California and contemplating am I making the right decision I would love to talk mm-hmm. to my father about that but then I think would I even be moving to California if my dad d- didn't yeah die? the butterfly like, effect like it's fucking yeah, weird isn't real. it that shit is yeah real. it's you not think... as pretty as a butterfly <laughs> no it's not but, fucking yeah, as pretty as a, a lovely but <laughs> it's a big yeah. hairy fucking moth <laughs> yeah it's a moth effect but sometimes a butterfly it's the moth effect of green <laughs> that's who it is though shitty little moth effect but sometimes oh, the moth turns into a butterfly it depends I how you know, turn it turns but, you, oh you know. they're fucking horrible aren't they oh my skin's gonna weird thinking of moths like landing in the room <laughs> i hate them so much the <laughs> thing is i think i think i think moths gravitate towards the light so there's a positivity if I you're mean, looking at it there okay yeah. if we're all like these little hairy moths just like trying to yeah. find the light and the light to Ugh, get out of we're green all hairy moths <laughs> i don't like that at all but it makes sense <laughs> but it makes sense yeah, yeah. but um uh, Oh, it's so, yeah, so, so interesting. I'm, um, yeah, I can tell, yeah, of, um, of growing up with them, but, you know, you had your mum and that's, I mean, like, I have my dad still and, like, I know if I really want to go and, like, shoot the shit and, like, go, mm. like, dad, like, what the fuck? But I'm just, like, oh, I don't know. It's just, it's just different. It's just different. You just have that. And it's always, I feel like sometimes um, I try and, like, fill that conversation of, like, okay, I think she'd say this. But then after mm. yeah, that only served me for kind of so many years, I kind of had to, it made me really go like, you've got to learn to make these decisions by yourself. And I actually even think that even if my mum was here and I potentially was to ask her, I probably wouldn't take her advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you still want it though. You I still know, want to know the, I just want the, the advice you wouldn't take. Yeah. Even if it's advice you don't take, you still want to hear it because it's, it's like comforting to like hear it. Yeah. Well, let me ask you. So you said something about, you mentioned the safety net earlier. Mm. Um, was that like, a, was that, so was it a, that's that a, uh, a post realization that you're like, Oh shit, I did have a little bit of a safety net and you didn't realize that safety net while she was around. Is that what yeah, you're kind, kind of. Yeah. The whole safety net kind of like anecdote for me, it's interesting of just, I didn't yeah really realize how much of a safety net, um, well, obviously just, I think just having like two living parents or guardians alive because, and I think it's a really interesting topic of how I've been reading like statistic and articles about how children who have lost parents quite young um, and who were like forming their careers end up to be quite successful. <laughs> oh. And I know, and I'm going to, I'll dig it out and I'll send it to you. And it's yeah, because say more, say more. it's, yeah, it's, 
I'm I was a bit like okay and like I'm not gonna I don't want to sit here and like deem myself like successful but I can give myself credit for my work drive and like my work ethic like as me and you were literally saying before this like we're fucking tired <laughs> but we're still like no matter how much I say to you or you say to me or whatever like we're still gonna just graph we're still gonna go hard because we found something that we love to do and we enjoy doing it and the graft is there and kind of as much as that that is a huge part of we found and that we love to do there is a part of me that is like well if I st- stop and kind of decide I don't know I'm just gonna figure it out and just take a break a little bit and like rely on someone else I don't have that like the only person I could have seen who would I would have probably relied on would be mum. that's not even like financially or anything like I wouldn't go and be like I'm just gonna quit my jobs and stuff like that mm. just that um kind of just putting things down a bit just going oh it's all right and like having that safety and that re I think it's that reassurance really of just it's okay mum's got it for a bit like mum's mum's gonna hold it down for a bit and realizing that there is like I feel like as grieving children who've lost parents the simplest way I can put it is like there is no glass ceiling like and some people think see that as when I've tried to articulate it and say it to people they see it as really like admirable of like yeah there's no glass ceiling for you like you just keep going you want to keep going and going and I'm like yeah but to what extent am I going to go because the one person who I would who could say to me you know what Amber you've done enough you are doing enough I'm proud of you and you can rest is not here and so it's almost like I'm like prisoner because I'm like, no one's, I'm proud of you. No one's, you're amazing that like you're successful is near, near, nowhere near of like, if she was to say that to me. But then again, moth effect, none of this would be happening if she was alive. So it's like, what the fuck? So that's <laughs> my like babble on the safety net kind of glass ceiling theory but yeah apparently us grieving kids are um destined to be quite successful because we're oh, just like fantastic i know you know one's fucking silver lining <laughs> yeah i could guess thanks dad <laughs> <laughs> i mean whatever okay <laughs> we gotta take something from it i guess i'll pull on that but make it worse though if i'm not if i don't if i'm not successful it's like well that was for nothing <laughs> absolutely for fuck all they're, yeah, looking, they're yeah. looking from wherever they are and going, you know, I died for this shit. You can even yeah. graft it a little bit. Yeah, my dad's looking down at me. David, would you get off your fucking ass and do some work? <laughs> what do you think I'm here for? <laughs> oh, man, with the damn moth effects. I, I know. don't know. It's all, it's just, that's a, it's a deep rabbit hole once you lose someone and you start contemplating a million different things. You know, I think, uh, I think we got, I think it's good to contemplate. I think it's good uh-huh. to consider these things and go introspective for sure. But at some point there's gotta be a cutoff because you start going down the what if rabbit yeah. hole. And I, I, I don't, I don't know. It's tough. It's, it is. It's hard. Like, when does that stop? Yeah. Yeah. And you can, you can kind of, and I think that leads really well to what I wanted to kind of end on here today, Dave, was talking to you about like your mindset and kind of how you talk about grief and how you just, what I've seen of you online and conversations we've had of just how you can very easily fall into, oh, I'm going to say this very loosely and caveats of like victimhood. And I know I've been there of kind of this really fucking awful thing has happened. And like, 
I'm going to, I'm going to choose to stay miserable for the rest of my life and let this thing debilitate me. Let this grief swallow me whole and fall down these rabbit holes and rabbit holes and constantly overthink things and never move forward with life. Like I say forward, not on because there's a difference, but moving forward with your life and with your grief. And so I was really interested of kind of how you said something on your story. I don't know. you, You put like a video up and it was just so like, I was like, oh God, I was like, I totally relate. And I was like, I see so much of me in that of just kind of, mm-hmm. it went along the lines of like, you were just like, I've been dealt the hand and like, I can do the best of what I got. Like, I'm not going to let this thing fucking ruin me. Um, mm-hmm. Just tell us a bit more about it. You'll do it better words than me. But yeah, how was like, yeah, this grief and this loss just made you look at life? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a process and I think it just takes time. This isn't, it's a lot of these realizations and lessons that I learned didn't happen overnight. So mm-hmm. it took five years, 10 years, 20, 20 years, you know, so, uh, but at the same time, I think, you know, man, I just look at life so differently because especially me personally, and I think it's important to look at other people's experiences, whether mine or someone else, just because it doesn't hit home. It didn't happen to you. doesn't mean it can't happen to you. So I think mm-hmm. the, the gravity of what the hell happened with nine 11 was so, you know, fantastical and so unbelievable in so many ways that it's like, how the hell did this happen? And it kind of painted a picture that anything could happen at any moment. So it's like, expect the unexpected. And I think this is just the life we're living. I think Mm -hmm. this is just the world we're living. It's unfair at times. It's beautiful at times. And it can be both at the same time. And it's going to keep spinning no matter what the hell happens. And I think we, we're not promised tomorrow, as corny as that says. I've seen it firsthand, and I have a hard time playing victim because I think this is just life. Yeah. As, we, as weird and as a cop-out that is, I think this is just life. And I don't mm. know what happens after, regardless of what you believe. All I know is we are here. I know shitty things are going to happen in the future, and I know it's up to us on how we're going to respond to it. And I can sit here and just be sad all day and be upset about what happened to my father and be like, why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to me? But I'm like, you know what? It's not, it doesn't happen to me. It's just, it's just happening. And I think there's, there's so many other people going through shit constantly. And it's like, I'm not the only one suffering. I think if you're going to find comfort in this, like there's plenty of other people going through shit. And it may not mm-hmm. be the same thing you're going through and yours may seem worse, but it's at the same time, the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. And it's all relative. And mm. like, it's, it's a simple, this is a weird analogy, but when I look at like my nephews when they're kids, and they're complaining about a toy and compl- compl- crying about this Hess truck that's not working. And they're hysterical, like life is over. I'm like, what are you doing? It's a Hess truck. Why are you crying? But in that moment for that kid, it's like, that is is the worst apart. thing. Yeah, That is the worst thing. So it's all relative in my head. Like it, yeah. if someone has never lost anyone in their life and their mom is in the hospital for a broken leg, that maybe yeah. that's the worst thing. And I'm not, and I'm not comparing, but my point is I think just – you got to get through it and you got to find meaning. You got to find purpose in other ways. If you're having trouble doing that, just keep living in honor of the person that you love. Mm-hmm. Cause if you're feeling this pain, you love them. And grief is the price, is the price of love. Yeah. Again, another, I'm dropping cliche bombs all over the place. <laughs> love I, it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I think, uh, I don't know. There's no answer. I think at the end of the day, it's no. up to us. We got to, we got to figure it out. And um, I don't know. Life's hard. Yeah, it gets. So I feel like there was. Um, I did a podcast ages ago. I was on a podcast, and it was about like making decisions and like making like big decisions, and when you've like recognized them, and and I, so like what for you has like been the biggest decision you made? And I was like, I was finding it really 
difficult of trying to decide like how am I going to apply this to my grief and I remember I just turned I was like I think the biggest decision for me was deciding whether or not to stay stuck and to mm. stay of having that conversation but am I going to let this thing ruin me and kind of fall into victimhood and and be like well yeah why did this happen to me and why did this happen to my mom and my family and it's like ugh, so weird it's like I don't want to say like it has to happen to somebody and kind mm. of what made what made me think I'd be exempt or it's really hard to say and I can imagine anyone who's listening who's maybe in the very early days years of their grief are like this is me and it's like we're not saying like it's not that it's not not okay for you to be there I feel like you kind of have to go through that phase of that rage and that just disdain at life and just like I remember I just used to walk the earth just like this place is fucking disgusting like I hate the world and every cunt that's in it like everyone can go away and then that's okay yeah and that's okay because I don't know when it changes but I think I think I got a bit sick of myself I think I got a bit sick of myself and a bit of like I am bored of the sound of my own voice, you know, ironic podcaster. Um, yeah, but, <laughs> of like this, really mo- you know, like, I did, do you, have you watched Harry Potter? Of course, yeah. Moaning Myrtle. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah becoming like moaning fucking Myrtle. <laughs> yeah. And like, oh, it's like, shut yeah. the fuck up. And, and more of just like, uh, you you once knew before this loss of like, how good life is and how great it can feel and how it can be. And I don't want it to sound like toxic positivity, but of like, and more of that, I something switched and I was like, I deserve joy. Like I deserve happiness. Like it went from, I don't want to experience joy because my mum is not here and she doesn't get to experience herself or I get to experience with her. And something changed and I was like, I need to seek out the goodness in life as, as much as I can, just however and whenever I can, because because she doesn't get to and because mm. I am still here and I'm still kicking. And it's like, I feel like going through grief, you feel just everything on like 10 times more. So like when things yeah, do feel shit, like you do really feel quite low in it. But then when things feel good, like it feels like pure sunshine and you're like, ah, mm. oh, like this, this is what this life is about and being blessed to still live another day of this life because boy, we know what it's like to be in the rain and what it's like to feel in the throes of that shit. So when the sunshine comes to, to lap it up because it won't always be here. Amen. And you know, I think uh, this is a, this is my, this is not for everyone, but I'm a very, I'm, I grew up in sports and a very competitive person. So sometimes the way I like to look at it is, I don't know, cha- I got, challenge yourself because mm. I think in my opinion, it's easier to stay miserable. It's easier to stay sad. It's easier to stay in that black hole than yeah. it is to get out of it. I think it's, it's almost oddly comforting and, and misery as weird as that sounds because your body's used to it and want, like almost tells you to be there. Yeah. But I think if you challenge yourself saying, I want to prove to myself this competitively in a weird way that I'm going to, I can get out. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Out of this. It's going to take time. You're going to be uncomfortable, but you can't be uncomfortable. You can't grow without being uncomfortable. And I think, you know, the, the fact that we are alive... It's like that alone. It seems so routine because we see so many people around, but like the chances that we are here are so mm-hmm. against the odds yeah. are, is just insane. And so mm-hmm. I think to look at it like a blessing, like my time's limited here anyway. Yeah. Some, I don't know what happens next or what happens before, whatever it may be. Might as well get weird and have some fun. And I'm not going to do it miserable. So <laughs> get weird and have some fun. I think that is- it's much easier said than done. Cause if anyone that's grieving right now, I know that sounds shitty. And it, I, like I, it's just, you're, just but this is all yeah this is from you someone who's 20 years plus of me seven years and like i still feel like so weird like the weird limbo of like it still feels like yesterday but i feel like anybody how many years they still be like it still feels like yesterday it could happen some days you feel like back at day at day zero and um it's yeah for some people listening they might be like this is what the fuck are you two talking yeah, about? This is and nothing it's, at all. Like, and yeah like fuck you both but it's like yeah. don't don't forget that we once where were where you are uh, and yeah, and when you're in it, when you're in it, it seems impossible to get out. Just like yeah. anything worse, yapping out of our mouths, like what that? You don't know. How, I don't know how you feel. I don't know whoever, yeah. whoever's listening. I don't. I don't know how you feel. I only know how I felt. And yeah. at the end of the day, like I understand in some capacity, not completely. Like when you're in a shitty place, it doesn't have to be grief. Whatever it is, it feels like this is it. This mm-hmm. is. It's not going to change. Not going to get any better. But it can. I promise you, yeah. it it can. You just yeah. got to decide. You just got to get weird and have some fun. Amen. <laughs> oh, well, David, that is a perfect place to end. I can't thank you enough for being here today in the Grief Gang podcast. I knew you would laugh. We would shoot the shit. We would get down the rabbit holes. I just feel like, I feel like one day we just need to like drop an edible and just go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. You don't even have to hit record. Look, here. Is it? Yeah. Edibles right here. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. I'm not going to product placement or anything but i'm not on one i'm not on one but it's it's ready like that we'll maybe be back in september with part two of this recording there we go i'm I'm gonna see you one of these days i'm gonna see you across the pond i'll see you in new york absolutely if you're coming here i'm coming there totally but david please tell the people where they can find you and where they can listen to your amazing podcast i appreciate it yeah so it's called dead talks podcast d-e-a-d talks it's uh dead talks podcast on instagram dead talks dot net online but um hopefully if you look up dead talks it'll just pop up but uh <laughs> otherwise just find me on instagram and you'll see all the links so i appreciate you amber you're amazing thank you david Thanks for tuning in this week i truly appreciate every single person who listens to the show by doing so you're actually helping more people find the show and in turn support themselves 
You can keep up to date and become part of the Grief Gang community by following us on social media platforms such as Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and TikTok. Check out our website and blog too and if you fancy, you can sign up to our newsletter where you will receive regular emails and first to knows on events and workshops. All links for the above are in the episode footnotes. Big love, look after yourself and I will see you next week.